0: where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matske convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis.
1: This is Monsteropolis, the show about Anomalies, Legends, and Monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky Oh, well, hi. Hey. <laughs> we're still here. Still here. Still doing it. in the Casbah. Um, what a great song. Uh, We <laughs> just totally blanked on what we're doing. What are we doing? What are we doing? This is, uh. so, what Monsteropolis, we, we should probably, nothing. We've recorded... <laughs> Yeah, we haven't done anything.
2: Just emerged from
1: the basement. Yep. Uh, two self-absorbed urban fools mm. emerging from their, mm. their basement. Um, we have a desire to... I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't think. Where do I go from here? Um, Follow your desire. Yeah. No, we, uh, we do have a desire for your letters. Letters are great. I'll tell you why letters are great. They save us from doing a ton of <laughs> research work on this show, and uh, we can uh, just read your letters and commentate on it, which is going to be the next episode. Originally, that was going to be this episode. We were going to read letters. Now we're saving the letters for next episode. We want to continue our Olympic discussion this week and really get into the nitty-gritty gritty <laughs> of the... Um, Olympic project, the nest site and the OP cabin, which mm-hmm. we have to be careful talking about the nest site. Cause I don't want to give away a lot of stuff. Um, but we, I think it's important that we talk about that on the show. Cause, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a big, it's not just a big part of the, the film, but it's also, it picks up on something that Mark and I started in 2018 when we filmed, mm. uh, the first part of, of on the trail of Bigfoot. So, um,
2: and you know the other thing that letters do is it it introduces topics that we would never have thought yes. of ourselves. Yes. Cuz I point. I tend to have a kind of trusty lane <laughs> that I go in and so the variety is the spice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so send send letters, uh please. So um so yeah, uh, there's nothing to announce. We work. It's kind of slow. We're in a slow period right now. Where Kickstarter backers should have, actually, as you're listening to this, will hopefully have your copies of On the Trail of Bigfoot: The Journey, or at least be getting them soon. Um, you can thank Adrian. She's the one that spends all of her time sending those out. Um, but it, we're we're just kind of like things are kind of puttering by until the releases start coming hot and heavy, which will be fairly soon. The The journey will hit, followed by Dark Sky, followed by, I'm assuming, On the Trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman for squad members and Kickstarter backers from last year. And then Howl of the Ruguru and then finally Discovery should wrap up the year, at least for our backers. I don't actually believe that the Discovery will be out until next year. Um, that's my sh- assumption, given that Ten ninety one has to release it, and I just I have a, a the inkling that they will kind of push it to the beginning of 2021, 22. What year is this? Twenty.
2: Yeah, it'll be twenty two.
1: Twenty twenty two. Yes. So, um, so yeah, that's it. So, so uh, that mail, by the way, monstropolismail at gmail.com, If you want to send us mail, uh, let's talk about the trip. So we we already discussed the first basically three days of the trip, which were entirely B roll centric. And I have to say, it did not feel like we were making a movie. It felt mm. like we were kind of just exploring a place and we were having a blast and it was very laid back. I don't think there was any anything really that st- stressful outside of getting lost on a line road. I can't think of anything really that stressful. No,
2: no, um, it was just it was fun. Yeah, it was just a blast.
1: Yeah, we um, mm. had a good breakfast one day in Forks. Oh, yes. Uh, did an interview and had a good breakfast. Mm hmm interview was kind of early too wasn't it like 8 a.m or something the Mike's interview yeah it was early it was
2: yeah and the uh, time is very fluid yes when you go from yeah east to west
1: yeah I woke up oh my! <sighs> I woke up every day very early um and some days I could manage to stay in bed for a little while and and get some further sleep and other days i just got up and did stuff so um
2: it was nine o'clock when we met him okay yeah
1: for some reason it felt very early (laughs) um but uh so we we finally we headed for um this is where i have to be careful location wise Mm -hmm. so i'm just not even going to mention this so we 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 headed for the nest site uh, from from Forks on uh on our day four, and this was the day where we were gonna meet up with the Olympic project. Um, and and so this day is where the to me the film kicks off. So this is where the it felt like production really kicked into high gear. And one thing I don't know if you you heard Alex's show or not, but uh, Todd Hale said one thing that surprised him was that we never stopped filming. <laughs> This is ah. like, it just, the filming never stopped. Right. And he's like, it he expected it would be like kind of a, you know, we shoot some stuff and then we'd stop. But it, he said there was never a point while we were there where someone wasn't shooting something. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Like we, I don't know that I've seen that on an STM shoot to that extent. There was constantly at all times, at least one camera going and usually two or three and most not, if it was daylight, four or five were running at any given time Mm -hmm. that's not including Alex and Eli right who were with us that day too so um, I can say that when we met up with the Olympic project that couldn't have happened at a cooler location Uh, we followed Shane up up a logging road out into a clear cut and there's the group like hanging out and we drive up and we pull in and we get out of the car and everyone's standing around talking to each other and we went up and everyone met up. That was where we met up with Alexander and Eli. And that was my first time getting to meet Eli.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: very, very uh probably one of the highlights of the trip for me. Honestly, the dude had me rolling like five <laughs> seconds after I got out of the car. So, um but we, we, we met on this in this clear cut, but it, there were mountains kind of overlooking us.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like kind of ominous behind clouds right.
2: and weather systems moving through. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Honestly, that's one of the most scenic places I think we mm-hmm. were the whole time. And yeah. just in terms of scope and spectacle. Yeah. And there was the added touch that, you know, this is, it was private land. I mean, we're only there because of them. Mm-hmm. This isn't a pull off from the highway. Right. You know, that you would go. Yeah. There's sort of a, a cool sense. And and this really took over from this point on that we were there at the invitation of the Olympic project and uh, just a feeling of being very appreciative for that Mm -hmm. because that's, that's what was, the access was all thanks to them.
1: Right. Yeah. um, And like you said, it was constant, like pretty much the entire, from then on, everywhere we went with them was because of them and even um, on the, on one of the nights we did a walk and we were allowed to do that walk because we were connected mm-hmm. to them. So, uh, so we met up with the OP and then we followed them to the, to the nest site and, um, more logging roads, more driving. You'll see all this on, in the film and in, and in some of it in production diaries, although we're holding a lot of the OP stuff from the production diaries, just to keep it for the film. Mm-hmm. Um, we followed them back to the nest site and when we got we got in there, um, it was a very Area X vibe for me. It was a lot like, you know, like I was really getting that. You're. It's a strange thing because we've been to a lot of locations where Bigfoot history has been made. And you definitely get that sense of history. Bear Road is like a really good a- yes. example of that. Oh, yeah. But there is something different about going to a location where you're aware that history is being made. So in mm-hmm. the, in the moment history is being made here, you might see or experience something. Right. So be on, on guard. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the vibe is very different in those two, those two scenarios. They're very different from one another. I don't know if you picked up on that or if you had that same kind of sense or. Yeah.
2: No, no it's interesting. It's a great way to describe it. Because you always, I mean, in Area X, I imagine from what you've told me and what I've seen on film, and certainly here, you know, you have this sort of dichotomy between the camp feel and mm-hmm. everybody's sort of loose and relaxed and just having fun. But then when you go to the more specific locations, there is a shift that happens. Mm-hmm. And people do sort of cross over into a more aware kind of you know, aware of your surroundings and more serious mm-hmm. vibe. And that, that's very much at work, yeah. you know, like a bear road, for instance, I mean, it's historically interesting and you can replay it in your mind, but there's not as much of a sense that something's going to happen right now something. because right. Of the remove and time and so forth.
1: Yeah. But, but X and, and uh, especially here, like this is recent, like the, the stuff that's happening is, is recent activity. Um, we, so we get in there and we do, uh, I don't, I really don't want to do a play by play because mm-hmm. a lot of this is going to be in the film. You're going to get to experience all this, but we did a, we did a hike down to the nest site and, um, a hike is a generous way of putting it. I mean, it was, there was a trail, but it's really just a path that yeah. they've worn th- from walking down this like hill mountain, this yes. mountain down into the nest site. I'd um, call
2: it a scramble. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> Yeah. It's a Which, scramble down there. I, I don't know if you
1: <laughs> had the same uh impression but the sizzle reel, some of my favorite shots in the sizzle reel are the slow motion shots of our bodies and heads disappearing into the oh, thicket in yeah. slow motion mm-hmm. that Aaron was shooting from above. Some of that stuff does such a good job of putting you in that moment where your my number one goal walking through there was get the shot. So I was always holding the camera up over my head. So it's like pointing down, getting the shot. My secondary goal was don't lose an eye yeah. because the, you were getting slapped in the face with Huckleberry or branches or whatever from sure. the, from the person in front of you yeah. who was also trying to keep it out right. of their face. So yeah, there's like, no way to prevent, there's no way to stop it branch. from happening. No. Um. So you're, it was now I grew up in doing this as a kid. This is one thing I didn't talk about on alex's show that i wanted to we grew up in it with a woods behind our house with that ohio undergrowth like real thick in the summer and we bushwhacked through there all the time we didn't call it bushwhacking we just called it walking around in the woods or playing in the woods right but it reminded me a lot of that Mm -hmm. so it was never i I never fell or anything out there and i would like to think it's because my brain just had some sort of muscle memory from when Mm -hmm. i was like eight years old and i was able to not my brain had muscle memory, but I had muscle memory from when I was like eight years old, right. Walking around in the woods. Cause that's what it reminded me of. Um, but we got down in there and then I want to, I want to talk about this too. Cause I, you weren't with me, but I grabbed Aaron and Shane. I wanted to kind of move away from the camp as quickly as possible. Cause we were losing light real, real fast. Mm-hmm. And Shane didn't want to be down there after dark. Cause he had to get us back out and then come back down. Right. And so he was trying to make sure that we were out of there, you know, by dark mm-hmm. Um and you'll, you know, when you see the movie, I think you'll get a sense that when we were going down in the sun was already setting pretty good. I mean, we, we were getting that orange light was coming through the trees and it was, it yeah. was getting starting to get dark already. Right. And in fact, by the time we got out to the main trail, when we left, it was already dark.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah.
2: And to be clear, we didn't, go to the nest site no. proper that first night. Yeah, I, I made it sound like we, we went did. down to their the, camp, uh, camp that camp. they had set up that was actually above where the nest site is. Which located. was the
1: first time they've they've camped in there. So they've never camped in that area before. They've never camped that close to the nest site. The nest site was about he said maybe 90 yards from where that's, That actually seems excessive. I don't think it's that far from where that camp is say so maybe 50 yards from that. Yeah, it's, 40, it's so hard
2: year. to tell because yeah. there's no visual reference really. Well, I watched the, the
1: footage and from the camp down to the nest site is less than 5 minutes on video. So it's not far cuz mm-hmm. cuz you're moving so slow cuz of the bush. I right. I'd, I'd really say 40-50 yards That's, tops. Yeah. to to the nest site, but they're camped above it in this little clearing that they've that they had made specifically for this. Mm-hmm. So Alex and Eli are camping out in the hmm. woods at the nest site for the first time. Basically anyone's ever stayed there. So yeah. you'll get to see that in beyond the trail. Um, not the first episode that's going to be coming out, but, but the next beyond the trail that'll be coming out later this year. And we haven't talked about beyond the trail hardly at all, but um, it's a free YouTube series. You'll get to see it. The first episode's done. It'll be coming out r- really, really soon. We're just going to kind of surprise everyone with it. Yeah. So be, I watched it. Oh yeah. Yeah. We haven't talked about it. Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Yeah, I did like it. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. My mom liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my mom liked it because White Mountains, she gets to go oh. she gets to go back vicariously. Right. Through. Right. She was pretty excited about it though.
2: There's some ama- there's some amazing shots yeah. in that. There really are. And I like Alex's
1: voice yeah.
2: being the yeah. driver of it too. It's
1: a, it is exactly what I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. which is not common when you're making these things. You mm-hmm. never know what you're gonna end up with, but it is it's bushcraft and Bigfoot. Yeah. I'm excited.
2: I love that. that. Well, not to go spoilery, <laughs> but I like it when he tells you what he takes. Yeah, along. Yes, stuff like that but is really cool.
1: Some, my mom loved that part too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool part. Um, but yeah, the the so Alex and Eli actually stayed down there. You'll get to see them uh, staying in the in the camp. So so it, that's what I mean about how the the episodes or the film and Alex's film will kind of inter, intertwine mm-hmm. with one another because you'll meet that that camp through us but see them actually staying in it yeah. in his in his uh beyond the trail so it's a really cool but anyway um Shane and Shane and um Aaron and, and I jumped off into the bush not mm-hmm. far like 10 yards we were yeah. Barely, I mean, 40, 50 feet from camp. We were right, right. there. But no, no
2: one could see you.
1: You couldn't, we couldn't I mean, see you. And the only thing we could hear was, was occasionally the girls laughing or yeah. whatever. Uh-huh. Now, what was crazy was I've, we've been all over the woods around the country. And I've talked at length about growing up on the road, um, travel. I spent tons of hours in, in the Great Smoky Mountains and mm-hmm. around Pennsylvania in the forests and deep south. I've never once seen bear track in the woods. Never. I've never found a bear track anywhere. We were in this place for 10 minutes and we get down, you know, Shane and me and Aaron are in this bush. And, and I look down and I see this. The first thing I noticed was a little opening in, in the undergrowth, which immediately catches your attention because there is no opening. There's no openings anywhere. Right. And I said, what is, I said, what, what's this? And he's like, that's going to be a bear trail. I was like, okay. So I get down on my hands and knees because I was excited to see it. Yeah. And as soon as I get down, I'm looking right at a bear track, like a big, big black bear track Mm -hmm. right in front of me. And he said, oh yeah, that's fresh. And so this thing had been through there earlier, you know, did you get a shot of it? Yeah. We we filmed it. I don't think I, I don't think I took a still or anything, but we have, yeah, I was filming it when Mm -hmm. I was there. We Mm -hmm. were filming the whole time from that. Pretty much as soon as we started that descent, into mm-hmm. that area it i never stopped mm-hmm. filming um saw that's on camera we found this black bear track and then um and then we came back and met up with the group now at that point like what were you guys doing at the camp were you just talking, just about talking. The history of the yeah. area yeah do we want to talk a little bit about the history of the area on the show because we're just saying nest site but a lot of people might have no idea yeah what i means. think we can go we go, probably go should it. i'll let you
2: well the the way that should I get into how How they found it? Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, it was uh, the site itself, the site of the nests, was discovered by a surveyor who was. There's laws concerning how close you can log to a salmon bearing river. So he was, this surveyor was just doing his normal business in that remote location and uh, tying off ribbons onto trees to indicate how far you can log and no farther, and he's the one who came upon things that he had never seen before in the woods, which included these depressions in the ground, the huckleberry branches that had been snapped off seven, eight, nine feet up on the bushes and arranged in a very intricate way to create what, especially when they were first discovered, resembled nests, and he um, reported that, to the owner of the land. The owner of that land knew of Derek Randall's interest in the Bigfoot subject and essentially said to Derek and the Olympic project by extension, I found these things, or one of my men found these things. We don't know what to make of them. We're not going to harvest this land for five years. Would you like access to it? Because if you do, then you can use this as an investigation site for that period of time. And so that's how they were able to gain and maintain access to this particular site. And uh, the clock is ticking yeah. as far as I can tell. And it's they're into year six at this point. And I don't know if they've received any there, there's idea a delay. of delay. There's a delay, but I don't mm-hmm. think they know how long the
1: delay is. Right. But it might be for a little while.
2: Yeah. So that that's, that's how they uh you know the olympic project came into uh the permission to be on this land in the first place and um you know it's one of those things where having the right sort of network of relationships and having a good reputation helps mm-hmm. because Derek was thought of and, yeah. and brought into this at the right time
1: but we were the first film crew allowed down into the nest site itself um and then so So, yeah, so we're being given access to all the original video, um, photos, um, you know, like some analysis, uh, data, things like that, that we're going to put in the movie. Um, but you'll be able to see the nest site, which is like the first time I think outside of, you know, like they've, they've been pretty public about that. Well, not pretty, but they've been somewhat public about the nest sites, but, um, you'll actually get to be introduced to them through the film. Like we were, Mm -hmm. um, so we came back out, we we hiked back out and by then it was dark. By the time we made our way back up the mountain, it was dark and uh we spent uh, the next hour we split into two groups. Um, cuz there were so many of us it just didn't seem like we were going to get anything accomplished with all of us walking around in the woods. So we split into two groups and your group was comprised of who was in your group? It's Alex me and, and
2: Andy. Yeah. And Todd. Yeah. Um Brandon I think was with us. Yeah. And
1: was Alex and Ewett?
2: Yeah, I think he was.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And we had it was Adrian and me and Nicole, Aaron, Chris Spencer, and Rebecca Slick. Okay. We're in our group. Was so Cindy with you so guys? Shane Cindy was with us. Yes. Shane was with you yeah. guys. And Cindy? Because I don't think Cindy was with us unless she went back yeah. up to camp. Yeah. Anyway, we, we split up and I got a really awesome interview, which by the way, did you see the clip of that interview in the Sissel Reel? Chris's? Whereas wearing wearing the red, yeah, that's like one of my favorite visuals from the whole thing Uh because there's um there's like steam coming off of his hat and stuff. It just looks amazing. Yeah, um, we interviewed Chris and Chris showed us some of his audio recorders. And and for those that don't know, Chris Spencer does, um, audio. He's kind of like the audio, one of the audio specialists in the Olympic project. So he does audio recording. Is probably his main area of expertise, but he does audio analysis as well and, and uh really, really amazing stuff. He took us out to where he had one of his recorders hidden and it just looks awesome. He had it like under this moss in this old dead tree stump. It was just super cool. Yeah. And um and we did hear some weird noises out there that night and and some of it is on camera. We discovered the next night when we went out that there's actually a lot of sound out in that area. There's mm-hmm. distant dogs. There's, um, uh, we'll talk about that when we get mm-hmm. to the next site, but that was our nest site introduction. Uh, introduction. Um, we didn't get to the nest. The ne- the actual introduction to the nest took place the next day, which we came back the next day, same location, hiked back into there, uh, into the area, this time with Derek Randall's leading us. And, um, then Derek actually took us down into the nests. And that was, um, the, I don't want to get too deep into this, but the, the, I keep saying that, but um, (laughs) the, so we followed Derek down into the nest. And the first thing I noticed, I, I knew we were at the nest site before he'd said a word because of the, the, there wasn't the amount of undergrowth. It was, it was like, you could clearly see that there had been some, he called it devastation. He said, this place was devastated when they found it compared to the area around it. Like, Something had torn apart everything in the area to build those nests. And you go from massive amounts of undergrowth so bad that you're like, you're keeping your arms up to protect your face and everything Mm -hmm. else down into this area where all of a sudden it's like, it's not clear cut or anything, but like there's clearing, there's a clearing.
2: Yeah. And and there's no undergrowth. Right. There's no undergrowth. That's what's so remarkable. Yeah. You can just see where the nests are. There's nothing in the way.
1: Yeah. They they tore everything out. mm Mm-hmm whatever tore everything out to build these nests. Um, And they showed us probably eight different nests. They identified eight different nests right there, but there's more in that area. They showed us where there was a a practice nest that they had found, which seems to be, you know, like some sort of, uh, apparently mountain gorillas also build nests. And mountain gorillas, the way they train their young to build these nests is they build a practice nest. And they put it in a, a, they, they build it in a bush, basically. And they found one of these here. Like a practice nest. Um, So we go in there and we filmed for, I don't know how long we were in there, maybe an hour. It wasn't like an extraordinarily long length of time. We were filming. There was a ton of us in there, probably 15 or more people. Yeah. Um, But one thing I thought was cool was all the project members were kind of immediately doing their own thing. Like Chris was off doing something with his audio recorders and Rebecca was analyzing something on the ground or mm-hmm. she was, she was looking at one of the nests. Cindy had just like sat down and was writing up. She's an archeologist and an anthropologist and was mm-hmm. writing up, um, identifying local, local, uh, uh, floral, flora plants, mm-hmm. She's writing about local plants. Um, and I just thought that was really cool that they were all kind of like doing their own thing. And then we were down, um, and, uh, have you seen the movie that, um, why don't I keep, forgetting this dude's name. The guy the guy that made, made that movie about hauling the uh, the steamboat through the jungle. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was uh it's like a famous I ah, forget it. <laughs> no. Okay, okay, okay. Well, well sure. this moment reminded me of like our apocalypse now, right? Okay. Cuz the reason is is we're in this place and there's like 20 people surrounding me. I'm down on this weird incline that drops that turns into a sheer cliff at one point Mm -hmm. down into the riverbed down to the riverbed below. I'm interviewing Derek. Who's like resting up against a tree, but then I've got like behind me, I've got Todd and Shane Andy's up behind Todd and Shane filming over them. And then behind this tree, like peeking around with his, uh, with his camera is Aaron. Yeah, And we shoot this interview in this way it goes on for like 40 minutes. I My feet hurt so bad by the time we were done because I was like trying to keep myself from falling down this cliff. Right. Um, but someone further back up grabbed a shot. They must have like held their hand in the air with a phone and shot it. And it's looking down and you've just got all these people spread. Like all you see are like from from here up sticking yeah. up out of the shrubbery and we're all standing there shooting this interview. And it looks like something out of Apocalypse uh-huh. Now. It was <laughs> cracking me up when I saw it. But it was a weird moment because we were all Mm -hmm. we were doing our thing. We were very much in the SCM mode at that point. Yeah, I thought. thought. But I don't know. Where do you where do you want to go with an essay? Anything else?
2: Well, I think the uh, having heard so much about it and then being there, there's something about it that was um, I don't persuasive is a word Mm -hmm. that crosses my mind. It just it it forces you to consider the options Mm -hmm. of what what could potentially have not only made these yeah. as constructions, but their location, their, where they were situated.
1: Makes no sense. Yeah. And I, I know yeah. people say p- it couldn't be people. I always say that about X, couldn't be people. And that would be my statement about this. It makes no sense for a person to be up there. Um, it's It would be possible for a person to go, come up there. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to do it would have been I guess if you were in there before it was logged there at logging area and you were down you you hiked down the hill, but why do it and And if you were someone coming up from below, why do that as a you mm-hmm. know like why would a person do that and, it and it then to spend all the time building the nests themselves, sure,
2: and it would have had to been a person with absolutely zero possessions mm-hmm. you know because when you see somebody moving from place to place, they typically have a, a relatively lot of stuff. I mean, it's whatever you can carry, but mm-hmm. you leave a mess. And there was nothing like that, that no. was, that was noticed in the initial discovery phase.
1: Do you have a scale of belief? Like I always say, i um, never talked about that.
2: No, I mean, I would have to, I'd have to give that some serious thought, but I, I came out of that feeling like, you know, there are very few options on the table as to what, could have made those Mm -hmm. and um, what where I think it the movement for me happened on this trip was towards a zoological biological explanation Mm -hmm. you know where the whole wood ape thing really snapped into detail Mm -hmm. for me based on what I saw
1: yeah yeah and again something that Shane and I talked about on when we were coming back, trying to walk the 40 feet back to the campsite or something. Mm -hmm. I said, um, it was here, hearing the scream and the rock throw in X made me think of these things in a completely different way. Like a very, yeah. Like zoological, like, what are they like? How do they live? Mm -hmm. And this just like, it was like, I was getting another piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it kind of fit with what I already think I know or at least have have started to assume, you know, like about what I, you know, like how these things might be or how they Mm -hmm. live. They, like Chris said something that fit with that too. I said, what have you learned? What do you think you know about Bigfoot behavior based on sounds? And he said, they don't, there's no repeating patterns. It's not like they're, they don't repeat the same sounds. They're make, they make different sounds. They're, they have a personality. Hmm. And his belief is that they're more human than, than ape, but, yeah. um, he was talking about how, you know, like people will say, Oh, I had this audio recording of a Bigfoot and then they'll play it. And it's very clearly like coyote. And that's cause they're kind of like repeating that howl and like, or wolves where they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they'll repeat that, their, their wolf howl. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're, you're not going to get that with a Bigfoot call. It's like something completely different. Hmm. It's And it's like, they don't repeat the same things twice. And I thought that was really interesting yeah. because w- w- I told you what I thought I experienced that night was something that was just jacked that it had messed with us, that it actually managed to hit that roof that night. It was pretty pumped up about that. Yeah. And it was, that was almost like a jubilant. Gotcha. Y- yeah. yeah, <laughs> Nailed it. Which reminds me of something my dog would, you know, like if mm-hmm. your dog was, I don't know how to explain that, but yeah. like it kind of reminds me of an, it's, it's a zoologic, It's an animal. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to put it. It does it it the more it's funny. I I don't know if I was expecting a wow moment. There wasn't a wow moment. It was like it was a more it was more um it was sustained over a longer period of time where over time over the course of the day I found myself thinking about it more and more and then in the week, you know, days to follow mm-hmm. it's it's even more so. But you the way they Someone put it, it might've been Derek or Shane said, you have to have opposable thumbs to do these maneuvers. They've tried to duplicate it. You have to have opposable thumbs to inter intertwine some of these, the structures, the way they were made. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, so that kind of leaves you with just humans. And I guess the question is why are people there? And you know, the interesting thing, I started thinking about this because of that discussion about, about the call that we caught on, that that derek and uh, that David and them, and this isn't out there publicly, so I'm not going to talk too much about this, but there's there was a call that was on our recorder and and the discussion started being about, is it a wolf or a person? And I started thinking about the idea that in a you know like we we're going to immediately jump to a nat something we consider a natural animal, which is a wolf, but to like David and those guys. Bigfoot is a natural animal. They know they mm. know it exists. So that's what they are going to assume that, call, not assume, but that's what they're, to them, it's, yeah. it, is, it is a natural it, animal.
2: Right. They've gone through their own process of elimination.
1: Yeah. The shoe fits mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah, I think I came away from the whole trip on an, I don't know. Someone asked me if it moved the needle for me. And I said, yes, but not in the ways you would expect. Hmm. And that's what I meant by that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, there wasn't a big wow moment. It wasn't like something threw a rock and screamed at me. And that just immediately rocketed the needle in another direction. It wasn't like that. It was a subtle shift, but it definitely is there. There was definitely a movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the nest site. We went back at night, Yep. um, but we were alone. It was... It was, I mean, it was a good group of us. It was Eli and Alex, myself, Mark, Aaron, Andy, Brandon. So there were seven of us Mm -hmm. and we were not, we did not go all the way back to the nest site because we, uh, we, we weren't able to get into the gate with our cars. If we had, we probably would have walked all the way back there. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we did is we actually got out and, and I, I want to talk about that. Uh, what had happened earlier that same day before we got into the nest site, we got in and we, we actually followed Derek this time. Derek met us at the gate and let us in. And um, on the way in, Derek had told us a story and I want to save this story, but it involves a Bigfoot and a tree and he, the tree is right by the road and he took us to the tree and this was in the morning and he was showing me where he had tied a ribbon around the tree to mark the tree. And he was showing me how tall it was. And I looked at, down and i saw a trail in the woods like a deer trail and i was like something's been through here and i i looked down and there's a freaking bear track again i was like here's another bear track (laughs) and so now and i'm saying bear track but there was some we're not convinced this is a bear and derek even said there's not enough detail to be conclusive either way Mm -hmm. so what we were looking at was a very large bear track if it was a bear that would almost have to be a double step. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was one in particular by the road that I swear had toe spread. It looked like five toes that had hit the ground. And when they hit the ground, they pushed it into the earth and the earth spread the toes a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it looked like a, it looked like a foot and it was right by there. But either way, something had clearly been moving through here. You could see the, um, you could actually, my favorite was there was one that was pressed down over. I told you about this one, the one that was pressed down over the dead. There was a dead tree. Yes. And it actually, when it had hit the tree, it had smashed the, the, the rotted wood down into the earth. And its foot was, so you could see the heel on the dead tree and then the toes or claws in the earth mm-hmm. and it was just such a cool thing yeah. e- either way bigfoot or i mean we don't so we'll never something know something
2: with if, lots of mass yeah we'll basically. never know which it was
1: but um so that was that was on that same day that was that morning we found there was actually some sort of trail there then we went back to the nest site and then we found another something i mean it was again it was like one of these things where chains like it's too too inconclusive Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't make a lot of sense for it to be anything where it was but it did seem to be something to me so and that we do have on video it'll probably be part of the production Mm -hmm. diaries i don't know that that'll make it into the movie um but um so that night we go back to the, the site do you want to talk through that section
2: oh sure well it was we would walk and and our basic um I think following the lead of the Olympic project, we didn't go in there to do a bunch of whoops and knocks and to try to get a response. We just walked in and stayed quiet for the most part to see what we would find. And, and in doing so, there were a couple moments where you know, some of the loudest sounds that we were hearing were frogs mm-hmm. in nearby ponds, and there were they were plentiful. Chorus. Yeah. And more than once while we were in there, the frogs would go from the chorus sound to um, cycling down very rapidly into silence.
1: The first time it happened, it there wasn't even a cycle down. And yeah. that was why I think we all noticed it the first time. Someone actually in our group gasped. Mm-hmm. One of us dudes gasped <laughs> when it happened because it was so, it yeah. was strange. I've never heard outdoor ambience go from... From one extreme to the other so mm-hmm. quickly because it was very loud. I thought how strange it was that it was so loud and it, and then it went to complete quiet, mm-hmm. complete silence, yeah
2: yeah, and that happened probably three times mm-hmm. while we were out there.
1: and that people Didn't, would say it's because you were walking, but one of the times it happened while we were all just sitting on the ground doing nothing, mm-hmm. we decided to sit down, we sat in one spot for about 10 minutes, maybe yeah, and while we were sitting there that those extremes happened. Mm -hmm. Started at one extreme, went to the other while we were sitting there without moving, no one doing anything. Mm -hmm. There were distant coyotes mixing with distant dogs. There were definitely just, you know, house dogs somewhere Mm -hmm. barking, but there were also distant coyotes. Was there anything else? I feel like there was another sound. Well, at one point something was moving in the woods 20, 30 feet Mm -hmm. from us. We turned our light on eventually because our, I was getting a little skittish because no one in the group had a gun Mm-hmm. Alex forgot the gun that the right. OP had given him to carry for him. Yeah. Uh, so we had no gun with us and we were in an area that also has mountain lion mm-hmm. and yeah, bear. We had just found bear track. Right. And we had no way of defending ourselves other than throwing Alex at him. <laughs> um, So we actually turned on the, we were sitting there in complete darkness and eventually I just was like, I'm going to find out what this is. And I turned on the light and there was nothing there, which is strange. Who ran up the hill to, to, Aaron and Alex actually yeah. went up the hill into the woods. Mm-hmm. Didn't see anything. So that was weird because that thing was close. It was really close. It was close enough that when it would shift, you would hear the weight shifting on the on the dry leaves mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's why I was sitting, I don't know who was with me, but I said you, you can hear it. It's right there. But then we turned on light and mm-hmm. there was nothing there. So that was kind of cool. We were out there after dark and and, and scary things were happening. Yeah. Oh. And the
2: night sky is amazing there. I yeah. mean, we, it was said multiple times during that trip, but our, one of the, um, the unusual elements of the weather is how nice it was.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially those last few days. Yeah,
2: and, what, and part of what that means was clear skies at night. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the features of the Olympic Peninsula is there's almost no light pollution at all. I mean, your largest city is Port Angeles, and that's not really enough to make a dent in the night sky. And so, I mean, it's a situation where you can look up and with your naked eye, you can see satellites yeah. going by. I mean, it's it's really dark, but also really brilliant at the same time. And I mean, that caught my attention on numerous occasions, just, you know, while we're all looking down and into the woods, you know, we should also be looking up because who knows what's flying overhead. Um,
1: Which we, so let's just jump ahead sure. here because yeah. we're running out of time. And mm-hmm. also I don't want to give away too much, especially about the last unit. So mm-hmm. um, day the day five or day, what is this now? Day six, day five, day six is all interviews for me from, from my part during the day. There were, there were two groups, me, you, Andy, Brandon mm-hmm. were at the main OP cabin shooting interviews. We shot six or seven interviews in a row. It was either way. It was the biggest interview day we've ever done on mm-hmm. an STM shoot, completely draining. I'm sure it was draining for Andy. Cause it, oh, it's yeah. just like mentally it's difficult to run that many interviews. Cause I'm trying to like figure out and I don't, this was like one of the times where I was like, I should have done prepared questions. I never do that. Cause I don't like to interview that way, mm-hmm. but it got to the point where I, my brain was so fried. I couldn't pick up on threads to follow because I was Mm -hmm. so tired. So I probably let some things go that shouldn't have been, but um, we shot all these interviews. And while we were doing that, there was another group off hiking and -hmm. they found some really cool stuff. They found some mountain lion tracks and we casted them later that night. Mm -hmm. So that was super cool. Um, It was awesome being back in the OP. Some of my favorite memories from the trip happened that evening uh, at the, at the OP bar, at the OP bar where it was just, when I got back, I had gone with the girls to get them checked into the, into the house that we stayed at, which on its own could probably be a whole episode. Just how (laughs) crazy the, the places we stayed at on this trip were. That's true. Um, the, the least of the places was probably the Forks house. And even that one, you're got this amazing forest right outside your Mm -hmm. house. But this, my favorite was actually the one out in that one spot. Mm hmm. With the mountains and the yeah. it's really gorgeous. Yeah. Um
2: that's yeah, spectacular yeah. view.
1: Yeah, but um with the the last day we actually stayed down on Lake Crescent <laughs> on the like not not literally out on the lake, but on the lake. As we close were, as you can get. We were we had our own dock on the lake. Yeah. Um and it was an just an unbelievable view. I got them checked into the house and then I went back to the cabin. And when I got back there, there was no one there except Derek, David, and Mark Marcel. Mm-hmm. So the four of us sit there for like two hours or so. it was probably like two hours just hanging out, mm-hmm. uh, talking about life stuff. There wasn't a single mention of Bigfoot for that entire time. We were just talking yeah. about, there was a discussion about the Vietnam War. There was a discussion about our mothers, a uh, really long discussion about being a dad. Hmm. Like all the stuff that I, I'm enjoying now that I'm a dad. <laughs> yeah. And and getting older. All the kind of stuff that I want to talk about with mm-hmm. people. And so I just had a really cool conversation with them. And then um then that was kinda that night we did some stuff. I don't want to talk about what we did that okay. night. some of that stuff I want to keep. Cause there's a reason. Um, but we did get to see a lot of that. what was I mean, what was it like for you going back to the to the OP and actually getting to spend time there?
2: Well, it was it was really um almost like dreamlike in a way, not like dream come true as much as Surreal. having dreams yes. about things. Because in part, I think that's because Mark Merzel, for example, who's now part of the Olympic Project, the only other time I've ever talked to him was on Mount St. Helens. So to see him in a different setting, but it's the Olympic Project Bigfoot barn, and to like reconnect with him and just start immediately talking about nerdy historical subjects. Cause you know, you're with a, a kindred spirit. I mean, that was really special. And the other thing is immediately we noticed when we walked in, you know, there's on the trail of Bigfoot posters hanging oh, yeah. up <laughs> in the Olympic yeah. barn. There's like,
1: that's surreal. Yeah. Some of our movies, over <laughs> Minerva, Minerva Whitehall on the trail of Bigfoot. Yes.
2: And yeah. And there's, I think the, is also very cool to see that play the, the location being utilized for its really its intended purpose, which is sort of like a a base camp, you know, with all the all the members there at the same time and kind of individually, like you said before, doing their things and getting ready, prepped for you know our little adventures that we went on. Um, it, it's it's such a unique opportunity, you know. I felt. I really this time, even maybe more than the first time, felt like um like a guest at something extremely special mm-hmm. and just didn't, you know, just wanted to take it all in. And they were all so gracious and just fun. Yeah. And and real people. And
1: Yeah, it was uh I think we forget like what what that's like, but because um, we don't spend a lot of time with Bigfooters. No, not no. We don't. Mm mm uh the Bigfoot community in Ohio especially is very fractured. I don't know that it's as bad out there. Maybe it is as bad. I mean, it's probably as bad everywhere, but there are groups that are that are particularly welcoming and and the OP has always been really great with mm-hmm. us. Um and I think, you know, the first time we kind of met them, and it was kind of like getting acquainted, and mm-hmm. this time I think we've become friends. And I think yeah. that's the difference now is like like I consider those guys friends. You know, and, and I hope I hope the feeling's mutual, mm-hmm. but like either way, that it's it was just a really cool experience being out with them and uh spending time and just doing it in that particular place. Yeah. And I hope after the movie's out, um, you know, you'll get a read on where we were in all these places mm-hmm. and um and and we can talk maybe a little bit more about it. We have to be really careful with the Nest site stuff, so I can't talk about too much about geographically where right. we were, but um, yeah. It's just as a whole, it was a crazy trip. We never stopped moving. We didn't even talk on the show about the airplane. No, I mean, there's numerous adventures we had that we haven't even discussed. <laughs> uh, we attempted an airplane ride that ended in me passing out, Aaron throwing up in a barf bag, and the pilot turning around ten minutes after we left the runway. <laughs> um, and there's and then there's. Yeah, there's... I mean, even the night that we went out for that walk, it's way more than we just walked a little bit, Mm -hmm. sat and waited. I mean, there was just something about being that close to a place that's active, you know, with Bigfoot activity even today. There's something special about it. Mm -hmm. Just a crazy trip. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and just driving around. You're always Mm -hmm. conscious of the fact that, you know, we're here on this stretch of road alone and something could run out in front of the car. It's the most, you know... Percentage wise, it's the most likely way you're going to see something. And that, I don't know, that feeling ne- is never far from you as you're going around, even in national parks and yeah. populated more populated spaces. One thing we, I guess a moment that always will stand out for me is when we pulled up to the whole rainforest near the entrance and there's an elk
1: oh, yeah. in a hanging. pond, yeah.
2: like just chomping away. Didn't
1: care that we were there at all. The next day we saw a whole elk herd.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was a sort of a, it was truly a welcome to the Olympic national park moment. I mean, it couldn't have been scripted any better. And then there's the elk over on the other side of the road, kind of watching. From, in the woods. Yeah. That
1: was super cool too. Yeah. yeah um, we, with the big. you know, when STM started out, the biggest part of our, we used to talk about this, but the biggest part of our, the way, um, production value the, the production value was all in the locations and we kind of got away from that in the core SDM series like now it's you know they're very much geared around like the recreations and all that and that's mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. but like that's what on the trail of gives us the opportunity to do is kind of return to that the production value is where we are yes so so that really holds true with the Adirondacks and the journey and it, and it will very much hold true with Discovery and and the Olympic Peninsula. It's the star of the show is the it scenery. Is. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, and if you're a member of the OP, thank you for for welcoming us. Thanks, huge thanks to the Olympic Project yeah. for being part of the film. I mean, it is a film about the Olympic Project as much as it is about the Olympic mm-hmm. Peninsula. There's only one interview with anyone outside of the group um, and the interviews that are from outside of the group are about, are still about the group. So uh, I think that's it. All right. All right. Uh we'll be back next week. We're gonna do letters next week. So uh um, mailbag, yeah, mailbag. Send episode. them in. Send them in. Send them on in. I think that does it. Uh leave a rating or review and uh let's drop less mail at g- gmail.com. Thanks guys.
0: Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.